This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. I want to correct something I said in the uh, previous segment. I think I called him Eric Snowden. It's Edward Snowden. So the twists and turns in this case, Apple versus the FBI, a couple more comments that I want to make. One is that, you know, the FBI continues to drop the ball in these investigations. They did it in the Boston bombing. They did it in the uh, Garland, Texas. They did it at Fort Hood where they had information beforehand that could have prevented this. Then they go into this reactionary mode, this investigative mode, which is what they do. They are not an intelligence agency, yet they are tasked with uh, that responsibility domestically. You've heard me on this program argue against that sort of thing. And so now they want to force somebody else uh, to help them. And, and, and I've heard many people, many conservatives, you know, come out and say, hey, this is national security or this is domestic security and, and we have to err on the side of security. And I always remind people, not so fast. Many of you may know that I hold a master's degree in security studies from the United States Naval Academy Postgraduate School, the Center for Homeland Defense and Security. Doesn't make me an expert, but it means I've done some study in the area of homeland security. I did a thesis, and this thesis is entitled Balancing Security and Privacy, because that's where we need to be at. Balance, ladies and gentlemen. What we did in the post-911 era, 9-11, is we overreacted. We gave the government all of this authority in a state of delirium, because it had just happened to us, where we gave away our privacy. Now, look, I'm in law enforcement. I want law enforcement to have the tools, but I don't want the government to take so much privacy away from us, which they did in the Patriot Act, and it was undone in the USA Freedom Act, when we saw what happens when government, with the metadata, with Snowden, the metadata collection uh, by the National Security Agency, and they lied about it. They were collecting everybody's metadata. And you know what that is, the cell phone numbers, certain information, text messages. They weren't reading the actual messages, but they were collecting that data that they could look at. They were storing it and saving it any time down the road that they wanted. I don't want, I don't trust my government to have that. Ben Franklin said, he who would give up a little privacy for security, deserves neither privacy nor security. And he's right. Balance is what we need here. And it's always going to be out of balance. But then we got to get back to that tipping point where we create some temporary sense of balance so that we can protect privacy in this country. Because that's important. It's important to me and it's important to you. So when we go back to this case, you know, here's some of the facts. This is from Time Magazine. Apple doesn't currently have the keys to break into the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone. In fact, it doesn't have the keys to any iPhone. That's what makes the technology known as end-to-end encryption so strong. Nobody except the end users, that'd be you and I, ladies and gentlemen, the person sending a message and the person receiving it on the other end can unscramble a message while it is uh, transiting through cyberspace. So Apple 
and dozens of other co- other companies have pushed back against such proposed legislation that the uh, you know we create a law that would force them to do it. They say such backdoors would easily be exploited by hackers and criminals and end up making all of us much less safe in the long run. Dismantling the two safety mechanisms that are needed for this phone would allow the FBI to use what's known as brute force attack on the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone password. It would set up a computer connected to the iPhone via a USB drive that would try every single possible combination of numbers in the password and eventually by trial and error break break in that way. No encryption key is necessary, but in order to pull off such a brute force attack, it needs Apple to rewrite its operating system, and this is where I think it's unduly burdensome. So I would agree with Apple on this. Because Apple would have to rewrite its operating system and sign it, so to speak, with the official Apple key so, uh, Apple key so that the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone would accept the new version as a legitimate operating system update. And there's the rub. Apple says that engineering a whole new version of the iPhone operating system is in legal terms unduly burdensome. Can you imagine how much money that would cost Apple? The language is is crucial. Whether the FBI's request is unduly burdensome or not is the essential question at stake in that uh, 1789 law that I talked about. So you can see how, you know, how many twists and turns this, 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 this case takes. Should Apple Inc., be required to spend, by their estimates, I've seen this somewhere, $10 billion to set up a new operating system that would override the encryption that you and I have to protect our phones and protect our software and protect our privacy. Should they be forced to do that to get into this iPhone? This is not an existential threat right now. This attack already happened. If this were a situation, and first of all, it would take too long anyway. Apple can't create this new operating system in the next two weeks or three weeks. This could take years. It could take years to do. Do you know how much will change in technology in years? That maybe by the time they come up with this, there'll be some new encryption software where they won't even be able to override it. You know, this is what we're dealing with here. This is the complexity of this case and everybody knows everybody knows that should apple come up with such a thing and give it to the government there is no guarantee that that wouldn't get into the wrong hands look at how many government servers have been hacked including our military personnel their human resources people's social security numbers and other vital information really rank amateurs hacking into government data systems. And that's what what Apple's concern is. They would make every one of their Apple products vulnerable to criminals and hackers. So again, I want to come back to this. Stop playing this zero-sum game, folks. When these things come up, and they're going to continue to come up, and and people right away, oh, well, this is uh, Homeland Security. This is national security. We have to do this. We have to trample on privacy rights to protect America. No, we don't. We need balance. We need to err on the side of 
privacy. Why? Because you and I know that with government, it's give them an inch and they're going to take a foot. Give them a foot and they're going to take a yard because it never stops. So where do we need to be in this situation? You know, the key is, where is that sweet spot? I'd like to think that it's achievable. And in my master's thesis that I wrote, I use policy options analysis and came up with a policy recommendation to try to achieve that that balance, you know, utilizing the 9-11 Commission and the, the Patriot Act and some of the other stuff that was going on with the government trampling our privacy rights. And I came up with a model that I think would work to always find that balance, you know, get into that tipping point. And when things start to get a little too much in terms of government exploiting our rights, tip it back toward privacy when it gets to be, you know, a situation like this, right? Where reasonableness, reasonableness would be what we're after. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network.